The following presentation is a Barrett Sports Media production. He's connected. Jason Barrett says, I'd like to see you here. The answer is when, where, what do you need? Respected. He's got a long and distinguished career in the sports radio business. Truly one of the titans of our industry. And unequivocally invested. This is the place to be if you're in the sports business. He is Jason Barrett. And this is the Jason Barrett Podcast. Now bringing you in-depth conversations with the best and brightest in sports media. And shedding light on the industry's biggest opportunities and challenges. Here's the president of Barrett Media, Jason Barrett. It feels good to be back. That applies to both returning behind the mic after a two-year hiatus and diving back into my day-to-day responsibilities with Barrett Media after a week away in Nashville for a family vacation. Big thank you to Jim Cutler and the imaging guru Justin Dove of Core Image Studio for the stellar voiceover and production work to kick off the Jason Barrett podcast. I am, of course, Jason Barrett. It's been two years since I regularly hosted a podcast for BarrettSportsMedia.com and our various platforms, and I'll say this, I'm glad to be doing it again. We've got some cool things planned for future shows, but let's not jump ahead just yet. For this show, our debut, I wanted to make sure we came out of the gate with a top-notch guest. Few have their finger on the pulse better than the executive vice president of Fox Sports Radio, Premier Radio Networks, and iHeart Sports, Don Martin. I like to joke with Don that if there's a sports executive title in iHeart to be claimed, he either owns it or he's on his way to securing it. That has to be a pain in the ass, though, if you're trying to update a LinkedIn profile, but that's Don's issue, not mine. Uh, With this being the brand new podcast, I'd like to ask for your feedback. If there's anyone in the sports media industry who you want to hear on this show in the future, drop me an email, jbarrett at sportsradiopd.com. I can't promise we'll make it happen, but we'll always look it over, and when it makes sense, we'll do our best to get it done. What I'm hoping to accomplish with this show is simply giving you an all-access pass to learn from sports media's best and brightest, whether they operate in executive roles, programming positions, on the air and radio or TV, the sports betting space, or another area of our industry that I feel is important. I don't want to pigeonhole the show to become a programming podcast. I think there's a ton of different layers to our industry that deserve to be examined, and over time, that's what we're going to do. Now, before we move ahead to my chat with Don, I'm going to kick off each episode with something I call what I've seen or heard. This is something as simple as drawing your attention to something a brand or individual did that I think is worth taking notice of. And to kick it off, I've got a few thoughts on the future for premium talent. Attention! Attention! Have I got your attention now? On Friday, Legal Sports Report posted a story announcing FanDuel's plans to rebrand the TVG Racing Channel to FanDuel TV as part of a plan to create a 24-7 television network. According to the report, TVG would become FanDuel TV, TVG2 would become FanDuel Racing, and the TVG OTT app would become FanDuel Plus. The network is expected to launch in September of this year, and the plan includes a morning show with former NFL Network Good Morning Football host Kay Adams, a one-hour show featuring Bill Simmons and The Ringer, an hour program led by Pat McAvee, and then live content from 9 to 9 with update drop-ins from FanDuel Talent. 
overnights would be filled by tertiary sports. Now you may be asking yourself, especially if you work in sports radio, why does that matter? Well, before I share my takeaways for those who are managing brands, let me rewind the clock for a minute. In 2015, when I started this company, I began writing about the future of sports television. I wondered how long until Facebook, Apple, Google, Amazon, YouTube, and others started coming after sports programming rights and top talent. And at that time, a lot of those companies weren't active players in the space. But a lot of people saw that eventually this was going to change, I being one of them. Live sports was one of the few programming pieces that people had to watch as it happened. And that makes it extra attractive to advertisers and networks and highly valuable, of course, to leagues who are in control of it. Now look at where we are today. Amazon has Thursday Night Football. Apple, YouTube, Peacock, and Facebook have done deals with Major League Baseball. Google just entered the bidding for NFL's Sunday ticket. And the competition and price tags are going to keep on rising as each deal expires. The same thing is happening now with college sports. We're looking at a future that consists of the haves and the have-nots. The in-betweens are vanishing quickly. That won't scare you if you're ESPN, Fox Sports, CBS, NBC, Turner, Spotify, or Barstool. National brands expect to be challenged, and quite frankly, they generate so much revenue that they're going to be able to compete. They may lose a talent or a rights deal along the way, but top-notch brands with strong financial backing and great track records of success will be just fine. But what if you're a smaller brand? or a local sports station, and you've developed a talent who's built a strong connection in a local market, can you really hang on to a personality for 20 to 25 years the way this business has in the past? If Mike and the Mad Dog launched their show within the past decade, do you think they'd spend the next 10 years at WFAN with these types of dollars out there to be gained? Guys like Pat McAfee, Dave Portnoy, KFC, Bomani Jones would have been sports radio stars in the past. Now they're media stars that can survive and thrive without sports radio. Stephen A. Smith was a dynamite sports radio host. Now he does a sports radio show on television and doesn't need radio. Nick Wright left sports radio for TV while in his prime. Joy Taylor did the same before she eventually joined Colin Cowherd's simulcasted show. And as I watched the FanDuel's, DraftKings, Bet Rivers, Caesars, and major tech companies load up on premium talent to build their brands, I wonder... Is sports radio prepared for the battle that looms ahead? Is Danny Parkins on the score in Chicago and Andrew Filipponi on the fan at Pittsburgh in five to ten years? Or does the bigger stage and paycheck lure away two of the top talents in the industry? Do Fox and other betting brands make such a big run at Craig Carton that he can't say yes to staying with WFAN when either the next deal or the one after that expires? The bottom line is this. Betting brands are here to stay, And they're investing in the content business, marketing themselves well, and becoming industry heavyweights. I'm not sure how close you pay attention, but Caesars cut deals with Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions, Kenny Mayne, and Trey Wingo. Bet Rivers has been adding top-notch radio talent, such as Mike Francesa, Mark Schlereth, Danny Parkins, Dan O'Toole, and Brandon Stokely, plus they're working on more. And you have to figure... DraftKings makes a bigger TV play down the line, especially when FanDuel rolls out their product. And DraftKings already owns VEASAN, the Levitard Network, Carabas, the Golics, and have more under their control. 
If you're operating a successful sports station and have a top talent with a strong connection to an audience, you better be focused on building a stronger relationship with them and showing them a path to prosperity that goes beyond 1% and 2% raises. That works at first, but smart, successful talent eventually move past the stage of worrying about being unemployed and losing their local sports radio real estate. They become business people. They hire agents. And eventually, they have real options. What keeps them there? Important personal connections and a company that shows they're valued. If they have to fight for months to go from 1% to 5%, especially when they have legitimate groups vying for their services, you can expect to lose them. At the same time, budgets can only extend so far. If FanDuel, DraftKings, Amazon, or another big group are going to spend strong seven figures to acquire your talent, they're going to go. That's just part of life. It happens in sports all the time, as well as in every normal business. As more groups seek out your stars, you better be spending your time building a bench and listening and looking for future voices. Radio groups are quick to point to podcasting's rise and how it's an important space. Well, this is the time to be investing in it and creating future stars on the local level. If we build up talent and face a situation where our five to ten years of investing in them results in them getting ready to build someone else's empire, then we better be ready to replace them with the next star who wants an equal opportunity for the next decade. If we can't grow from within and can't compete economically with the industry heavyweights, where does that leave us in the battle for audience attention? Well done, sir. And that wraps up the first edition of What I've Seen or Heard. If you want to respond to what I had to say, email me at jbarrett at sportsradiopd.com. Now it's time for our first guest on the Jason Barrett podcast. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show the EVP of Fox Sports Radio, iHeart Sports, and Premier Radio Networks, Don Martin. Yo, listen! All right, Don, before we dive into matters involving Fox Sports, iHeart, all of that, I want to go back in time for a minute because before you got to the network and you're doing all the things you currently do, you programmed on a local level. You were at KOA in Denver, the station five years in a row, recognized by the NAB as the station of the year. How did you even get started to get on that radar to become a program director and get the consideration for a station of that magnitude? You know, I I didn't get into this game to be a programmer. I got into the game like everybody else because I wanted to be on the air. Uh, quite honestly, I I went. I was an intern at Channel Seven in Denver. I interned with these guys, and the reason I did was I went to college after I blew my knee out. So I said, okay, everybody everybody is looking at being computer programmers now, and that's back when computers were as big as your house. Right. And I sat down for an entire semester at Colorado University as a computer programmer. I went home and I said to my mom, nah. I got to get back in the locker room in some way, somehow. So I got to get back. I got to get into sports broadcasting. They brought me in. And there's a guy in Denver named Irv Brown who recently passed away. He was the baseball coach at at CU and everything. He and Joe Williams had an afternoon drive show. Irv started a all sports station. We we turned on relatively close to WFA in New York. So you had Lenny Weiner over there and me over here. And uh, we weren't allowed to call it all sports because our manager at the time, our owner, said, I'm not going to spend money midnight to six on talk show hosts. 
And uh, it, it was a blast. I mean, it was an absolute blast. We started on 1600, we broke up and then uh, Dave Logan and, and Joe went one way, Irv and I went another and we went to 1090 in Denver. It was a blast. The Broncos were going to Super Bowls. We were voting on bringing the Rockies to town. Colorado was winning national championships or tying with Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech. I mean, it was I'm telling you, it, John Elway was at the top of his game, knew him since he was a rookie. So this city was just bubbling. So I was on the air with Billy Van Heusen, nine to noon. And then I had a guy like uh, Jason Barrett come in and says to the owner, your afternoon drive show is too much like your midday show. you got to get rid of it. So they blow up Billy Van Heusen and my show. Uh, now we had about a five-year run. It was wonderful. So they asked me, well, can you go into the, the assistant PD side of this thing and be the executive producer? And I was like, are you effing kidding me? By the grace of God, there, there was something that, that just clicked when I would call athletes. And at that time, guys, there were only three people in the country doing it. Len Weiner, Chris Visser, and me. So I could call directly into Michael Jordan's room and he would answer the phone. Mm -hmm. Charles Barkley, I had Charles Barkley on for a half an hour in Los Angeles during the Rodney King riots. And we won a national award for that interview. We had, we got everybody. It was incredible at that time. I mean, the sports was just popping off and we had the time of our lives. And then we went through the war. Okay, we went through the Gulf War and I kept my guys on. And we were calling Denver soldiers overseas in the Gulf War. And we had them on their moms, their dads, everybody crying. Oh, my God, I couldn't believe we were able to listen to Dimitri. It was wonderful. Thank you. And found out that radio was community and radio. It wasn't just about sports. Sports was our trunk of our tree, our conduit. Yep. But, but the community was what we were. Then one day, I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here on this radio station. It's owned by a gentleman, Century Broadcasting in Chicago. Uh, he passes away. His wife sells the station. So we go Spanish overnight. They were very good to us. Did they ask you to program it? Because that happened to me in my career. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but they did say they did take care of us. They paid us for a year. And I got a phone call from uh, Lori Parsons was her name at the time. And, and she says, Lee Larson would like to talk to you about coming over to KOA. And so it was one of the greatest moments in my life because I was out of work for about three weeks. And then I got my job at KOA to run the sports department. And I got paid by two different companies for a year. <laughs> so, so it was fantastic. So I'm loving radio. I'm loving this audio thing. Um, and it was all because, you know, there, there was a guy named Norm Clark. Uh, there was there were a couple of columnists that were in Denver that did a lot for me. Every time I got somebody on, they would talk about it in the newspaper. And there was a newspaper war at that time. So you had the Denver Post and the Rocky Mountain News. So those guys kept, did you see who Don got on? Did you see who Don got on? And finally, they did an article that says, if you want to talk to God, Don has his phone number. <laughs> and 
obviously everyone. the work you're doing there is what's getting you recognized. It, well, it, it it, you're, you're you're obviously getting the promotion from them, but it's because you're knocking out and hitting a couple home runs on the radio station. Yeah, but it was such a passion and it was so much fun that you didn't look at it as work. I'll, I'll re- I'm telling you right now, we started Mark Slarin on, on KOA and on our sports station, Adam Schefter as well. I mean, these names just keep going on and on and on of guys that we had an opportunity to put on and teach them how to do this game back then. And like I say, so I got the call from KOA and then I went in and, and started working on the sports side and I totally blew up the the Bronco broadcast. Uh, and I'll never forget, Lee Larson is, is absolutely one of my dearest friends and mentors, okay? And I'll never forget it. Lee calls me in the, into his office. He says, get that effing rock music out of my Bronco broadcast. And now I was like you guys. I mean, I, I was this swagger ridden young dude full of testosterone. And I'm looking at Lee in the face and I'm kind of cocky. And I said, Lee, you're out of the demo. <laughs> and, and he let it be. We then won awards for the way the Broncos sounded. So then we took that same path with the Rockies, Colorado Buffaloes, and, and, it, and it just kept working very well. So two years later, they asked me to program the radio station. I said, guys, I don't know anything. I'm sitting in spring training with the Rockies. I said, I don't know anything about notes. I have no clue what you're talking about. Well, we would still like to see if you could get it going. So I took K away and I sportsed it. Okay. I took it from news radio K away during the football season. It was Broncos radio, 850 K away. Okay. And then it was Rockies radio and our news department hated me. And then it became news radio again during the off season. But uh, we we went through nine 11. We went through Columbine. We went through the Oklahoma city bombing trials. We went through back-to-back Super Bowls. And, and like I said before, the one thing I learned was it's all the same. Mm-hmm. We're talking to people. And as long as you have the right people around you, it can work. Mm-hmm. Our news department was outstanding. I mean, they did great things. I got out of their way. You, your job is not to go in and fix it. Your job is not to go in and, and, and change things. Your job's to go in and say, what can I give you that you're not getting to make this thing the best it can be? That's why I was, I embraced programming. That's why I embraced doing what we do, because it gave me an opportunity to hire really good people and learn as much from them as they learn from me. You know, you've worked with a who's who of talent. I mean, oh, you've got DP, Colin, you've had Ben Scully, Petros and Money, Jim Rome, list goes on and on. What do you find great talent have in common when it comes to dealing with bosses? Because you work with so many talented people, and these are people that are heard on hundreds of radio stations. They don't need to be coached on how to do a tease. So how do you, what do you find they have in common? Well, number one, they're electrically charged. Okay. They're, they're self-starters. You don't have to start them. If, if you're starting your talent, you've got the wrong talent. Okay, so they are electrically charged. You make sure that you just give them what they need to succeed. Now, sometimes you need to, you know, knock some of those edges off. 
sometimes when PPM comes in, it's like, no, no, you have to straddle your 15s. You've got to, you've got to teach them some of those pieces, but you don't have to teach them how to do talk radio. Right. That should never be the issue. The, the other thing is, is you hire damn good producers because those are the folks that people don't see, don't hear that, that make the magic happen because they understand how to get into the talent's head and make it feel like it's their idea. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the good thing. Great producers become great program directors who become great general managers and hopefully one day are a president of a market. So you better be teaching your producers how to manage talent because one day they're going to be negotiating that contract with them. Right. And there has to be a respect. Lee Larson told me a story many years ago. We used to play basketball every Wednesday night in Denver. There were about 25 of us. We would get together every Wednesday night and it would be five on five. You win, you stay on and we're rolling for two and a half hours. He says, Donnie, and he was only one of two people ever called me Donnie in my life, my wife and Lee. Oh, you're leaving one out. <laughs> well, yes, your wife. <laughs> uh, so he says, tomorrow when you go to basketball, it's going to change. I said, what are you talking about, Lee? He says, you're no longer their friend. Now you're their boss. He goes, they're not going to foul you the same. They're not going to do this the same. He goes, it is going to change. He says, what you need to do, you need to take your heart out of your chest when you get ready to leave the house and you give Talia a kiss goodbye, you put it in a box, put it up on the shelf and you go to work. When you come back home, you put it back in, you go in and see your family. So what are you talking about? He goes, Don, because you got to fire people. Well, when I left, he was one of the few people in my life that came up to me and said, you know what? You taught me something because I was like, I can't do that, guys. I wear my, my heart on my sleeve, as you know as you very well know. And to me, it's about loving people. It's about building families. In my career, that's all I've ever wanted to do was build families. If you talk to Scott and all the folks at Fox Sports Radio, the one thing that's common, we're a family. You go to KLAC, we're a family. You go back to KOA, I'm still very tight with that. We just brought in Tepper, who's going to blow KOA out of the water and do great things there, guys. But it's building families. And I taught Lee, that's not, you You don't put your heart away. You got to have your heart when you go in. I know they can hurt you, but you got to have the intestinal fortitude to stand up and say, I'm a leader and you got to lead because managers manage, leaders lead. So let's talk about the, I mean, you're a guy, I bust your chops on this all the time. I'd hate to be the guy inside of iHeart charged with creating your business card because it's iHeart executive vice president of sports, premier radio networks, Fox sports radio, AMLA sports, 570. Who knows what else you've got under your, uh, your portfolio there. But all that being said to the outside person who hears all of that, that sounds big. How do you make it all work? You know, it's, it's crazy. It's called Scott Shapiro, Brian Blackmore, Colin Cowherd, Petros and Money. Um, you know, it, it's it's called everybody else. It, you know, I, I tell my folks all the time, first of all, they lead their ships. So to me, it's it's making sure you have the right game plan in each one of those verticals. I will have people come down the hall. Do you see what they're doing across the street? Do you see what they're doing across the street? I don't care. Every since I was a little boy in the third grade. I was taught, here's our game plan for this week's game. 
and we're going to follow our game plan. Now, we might make an adjustment at halftime, and, and we might make an adjustment during the game, but we're going to follow our game plan. If I'm paying attention to what you're doing across the street, I'm not following my game plan. Correct. I'm, following, I'm chasing yours. Then I'm going to fail. And I love the fact that they're taking a look at what we're doing because that means they're taking their eye off of their own game plan. Put the right pieces around you. Guys, you can make magic. Never, ever, ever fail alone. Look, if you got good people around you and you trust them to do their jobs and you feel confident in who you hired, it should pay off. One thing that but, you But Jason, to... I, will, I do want to throw one caveat in there, though. Go ahead. You got to get rid of cancers fast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you get somebody that's bubbling up on the inside. And I had a talk show host, and I'm going to leave him alone, but I had a talk show host that started getting in fights with other talk show hosts in the hallway. Um, that, that doesn't work. As a leader, if you let that happen, it becomes the norm, and now everybody's going to act that way. Well, look, and, it, and for me, when I programmed it, it was real simple. I'll give you latitude to do what you want to do. You, you want to talk different topics. You want to try different guests. Cool. I'm not going to bust your chops. We're not going to battle over vision of this brand. And if <laughs> yeah, you want exactly. to challenge me on vision or brand, it's like telling Bill Walsh, I'm not going to play in the West Coast offense. Well, you could go play for Bill Parcells and he may have a different style, but if you're playing for Bill Walsh, you're in the West Coast offense or you're not on this franchise. Amen. It's real simple. And that's what's good about our group. Everybody understands that. You've also, in addition to having programming acumen, you've obviously got a business acumen. You've been trusted to make business decisions for AM 570 LA Sports, mm -hmm. Fox Sports Radio. How did you go from being seen as a program director to being seen as someone who they could count on to run a business? That, that's 100% credit to Greg Ashlock. Yeah, he came to me and he says, we're going to let our VP of sales go for the Dodger broadcast. Um, and I want to see if a programmer can motivate salespeople. And at that time, we had 54 salespeople in the building. Same thing I'm talking about with all of my folks. He did with me. OK, so so he stuck me into that role. Now, while I was still doing all those other responsibilities, he says, now let's see if you can manage a sales team. And what I found out they're all people. It's all the same. You know, I, I became a program director of sales. Now you had everybody at the table and I'm the, the, the programming guy. So I'm creating with the client as we're sitting there. Right. And what I learned really fast was you don't want clients. You want partners. Okay. Because it's hard to fire a friend. And, and that's what we did. We went from radio a trending around 47% to Dodgers a trending around 8 or 9%. The other thing that I did was I realized, you know what? You have a lot of sales managers that like to go in. It's about me, 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 me. I never looked at it that way. It was always, you know, we have, you know, seller XYZ, knock it out. I bring them into Ashlock's office. They say, look at what they did. I tell people I hate sales because I'm, I'm not into Salesforce and all this other stuff. Blah, blah, blah. I love sitting down, having conversations with partners and creating things with them, for them, around them, with us. There is nothing more fascinating and more fun than that. Let's right. talk about one aspect that's got to be the harder part of managing a business. You've got, like, you look at the world we're in right now. Inflation is up, concern of a recession You've got to be able to forecast and look ahead and go, will it be okay? 
Will it not? If it's not, how do I change what my strategy is going to be? Where do I make investment? Right now, everybody's talking about a new variant. They're looking at, will the, will the uh, revenue come back? Obviously, you're the guy who's got to be working with Greg on figuring out, okay, is 570 going to keep thriving? Fox going to keep thriving? Or are we going to see a dip here? And if we do, how do we adjust to that? The only thing in life that's imminent is change. So we're, we're changing every day. Uh, COVID taught us to, taught us a lot. 9-11 taught us a lot. The crash of the market in 2009 taught us a lot. Um, we're a, a, an emotional business um, and everything we do is reflective of what's going on in the markets, in the country, in the world. So yeah, I mean, we have folks that are up above us at the corporate level that are dealing with this every single day. Do we always agree with what they do? Heck no. Do we do it? Sure, because they run the machine. Um, but the good thing is, is they allow us to have a voice at the table so that we can kind of take a look at what's going on out there. Because remember, we're the ones that have our, our finger on the pulse of what's going on every single moment. And I'm not just talking about the listener. I'm talking about the buying community, whether it's an agency, whether it's a direct client. Then the next thing you have to figure out is, when things change, what becomes the hot thing? Okay, you hit COVID. All of a sudden, all kinds of things stopped. Cars stopped, this stopped, that stopped. Well, what went up? Peloton, what went up? Uh, Netflix, what went up? So you better find a way to have your teams coached that you understand how to pivot and go get what the new thing is. But, but that's where coaching then comes in again because COVID taught us one thing that, that we never felt before. Depression. A lot of people hit depression because they went home and they're sitting in an apartment by themselves, looking at a screen eight hours, 10 hours a day, have not able to go out, not able to socialize. Well, how are you going to motivate that person to send an email, pick up a phone and call XYZ client? Well, they still have to make their rent. They still have to you know, pay their bills. So, so it does come down to love. I'm, I'm not kidding you. It's the craziest thing I can tell you, but, but if you don't have love within your system where you're taking care of people, you're going to lose. I don't care if you're AT&T, Google, iHeart, whatever it may be, you better find a way to have humanity and you better find a way to have love so you're taking care of these people. Then they will take that coaching that you taught them and put it into play. Um, you know, budgets are, are meant to be hit. But when you work for great companies, they also know that they're meant to be pivoted on. Yep. So, so the, the catch is never, never, never let your folks get into a depressed mode where you lose them emotionally and psychologically, because fighting back up that mountain is going to hurt you a lot more for a lot longer time than putting your arm around them and helping them understand we're going to get through this together. Let, let's move to the network side for a minute. You've done an outstanding job really re-strengthening Fox Sports Radio over the last decade. I mean, how do you feel about the present state of Fox Sports Radio? And if there's one thing about the network that you feel needs to get better or maybe is just tougher to, you know, make adjustments with because you're doing so well, what would that be? I mean, it's an interesting question. I mean, the, the, first of all, I have to say Scott Shapiro, um, I, I have to say, you know, Dan Beyer, Big Mike. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, you know, you have you know, all these people that have stuff to do with this behind the scenes. 
Then the next piece of the business is you have to say thank you to Fox Sports. Okay, so really nice relationship for a very, very long time with, I mean, I, David Hill was probably one of the kindest people in my life. So they've been a tremendous partner. Uh, back at the beginning of this, David's goal was, can we co-sign a talent? Finally, they bring in Jamie and Jamie and I are talking and then I've got Scott in there because Scott and Jamie had worked together and we got, we signed Colin and we, we have him as this simulcast, one of the best seminal pieces we've done. Uh, Jimmy DeCastro brings Dan Patrick to my office and we sit down and we're going through all this as Dan's going to leave and we start Dan in LA and then take him across the network. Well, now all of a sudden I'm watching guys and, and I'm watching what other networks are doing and I don't see them backfilling. So, all, and then we go and all of a sudden here's Gottlieb and here's Broussard and Parker. And then you got Jason Smith, you have Mallory. You, and now all of a sudden we've got all these guys on Fox and they're saying, Hey, can you put joy on? Can you do this? Can you do that? And use the, the audio side to help groom them a little bit deeper. And so it was a village. It wasn't one person. And there was a whole lot of, uh, you know, the grace of God, because who opens up one morning and says, you can have these people. Julie Talbot, then God bless her. She says, yeah, let's sign them. Here's the money. Scott's probably the best hire I've ever made in my life because the kid keeps me young. He's got a young mind. He's got his hands in everything. He loves the game. And I'm kind of looking at him going, God, I remember when that was me. Would I change anything? We're going to change everything. It, it, we're always changing. We're always making it faster, sleeker, better. There are so many people that touch this product. N nobody deserves to be said, hey, this is what you did. Okay. Scott and I get a lot of the credit. There are so many people that touch this that, like I said, there, there's nobody that can say, I am the seminal piece of this. So I've got to share this. I was recently in L.A. for a day and I, I swore to God, I was like, Don Martin must have a camera crew following me. And this is an episode of Punk because I went to four different locations and at three of them, people each commented when I explained why I was there for business. They said, Oh, we listen to Petros and Money. We love that show. And I kept looking around and go, I know Martin's up to something here. You and I have had this chat before about the ineffectiveness of measurement. And I look at just what I felt on the street about the power of this brand that three different parts of the county, as soon as I brought up sports talk, people knew instantly what was, what was important. How do you sell to your advertisers and to your own staff? what success looks like because to a lot of people on the outside they're going to look at LA it has the stigma that oh it's not a great sports market oh it doesn't have the biggest rating but that doesn't mean that it it's not a big a big sports city I look at the brands like the Lakers the Dodgers Magic Kobe Shaq I go how can you tell me that's not a great sports city but it doesn't always show up on in black and white with the numbers you know what you do it you do it and you stay consistent. Okay. Petros and money been in this market now for double digit years. So you're right. You go anywhere in town and you're going to hear people talk about Petros and money. Uh, they're a very unique listen. They are Los Angeles. Uh, it's about passion. Okay. It all begins and ends with us. If, if we, we go into those sales meetings and trust me, we've got to pound it through because I go into a sales meeting with 54 sellers who are selling kiss FM coast, 
Real, 98.7, the big powerful KFI. I need to get their attention on us. Uh, so great research helps as well. So I go to our research guy, we're digging it out and we're saying, okay, um, during the 2018 World Series, all the games are in afternoon drive, all of them. Now, if you've ever been to Los Angeles afternoon drive, you can't move. So none of them are watching <laughs> it on television. Right. Okay? And all those Dodger flags are flying. And you're going to tell me I'm pulling a four share or a five share? Are you kidding me? So right. we start digging deep. Uh, and then what I did is I came up with the stat. The Dodgers get 4 million people that come through their turnstiles every year. That's number one in baseball. Now, those are turnstiles, okay? So you can count those one-to-one. -one. They go to their client base. They go to their partners and they say, we need your sign in the building for a very large sum of money. I go back in and I say, okay, now the Dodgers, they have 4 million coming through the turnstile. I'm going to take the cum, the actual cum that, that Nielsen gives me. I'm not blowing anything up, cutting anything down. I'm going to take whatever they give me because some are good and some are ridiculous. And I'm just going to add the cum together. And we have 33 million turnstiles that come through our broadcast in the season for 162 games. Now I go to an agency and they say, how many are duplicated? Dodgers go to one of their partners. No one cares. They don't even bring up how many are duplicated. I know 60% of the people in that building are season ticket holders. But you know what? I'm sitting with BMW and she says, Don, no one buys a car off a of first impression. So it doesn't bother me. I need them to see that sign over and over again. I said, could you tell that to the agency? So it, it's up to us to be able to tell that story to the seller so the seller can tell that story to the agency or tell it directly to the client. So we, we have to, no different than when we put our game plan together, our roadmap together with our talent and our producer for today's show, when you get in front of your AEs, you better be prepared. You better give them stories that they can tell. Because remember, everything we do is about a story. And if you give them the right data, they can get it done. We've proven that. We've been the number one billing play-by-play -play broadcast almost seven years in a row. You know, the, the final thing I want to hit you with, I don't know if you saw this this week. I want to get your uh, reaction to it. Anyone who's met you knows you live and breathe this business. Um, and you've always been a guy when you've spoken at the summit, you've talked about the industry working together, raising all tides. We all have to work together because whether we beat each other in the ratings or not really doesn't matter. If we don't make money, we're, none of us are going to be continuing with jobs. Sirius XM got a lot of flack from the NAB, the RAB, Fred Jacobs, over a recent marketing message that they put out, which was, why waste your time with AMFM radio? Now, I didn't like the message because I thought, sell the benefits of your network, which, by the way, has plenty. And as a guy who cares about lifting the industry, I'm like, I got to get your perspective when you hear that, because as a marketing message, I don't know how that's going to help drive subscribers. When you're not the big dog at the trough, you do everything you can to try to get what you can get. Okay. Sirius chose not to be the big dog at the trough because they put it behind a paywall. Okay, so, and, but it's a business strategy that evidently works well for them. The world is full of negative right now. Why, why add another one? Um, if you have to put somebody down to chase yours, sooner or later, the buying community, the audience, they call BS on you. 
I've told my kids this since they were little tiny kids. If you chase money, you're going to be miserable and lose. If you chase your passion, money will come. I would say the same thing about this. AMFM is thriving right now. But more importantly, it's not just AMFM. I think it's time to get rid of AM and FM call letter or names and just call it audio, okay? Because you can hear my guys on every platform. Wherever, right. Because our goal is to be wherever you are, okay? Whether it's streamed, whether it's this. And, and Major League Baseball helped us with that this year. I mean, in 2020, when Lon Rosen and I went to them, they let us stream the games, but we were only in the LADMA. Then they opened it up to the entire TV territory. So you get to decide how you listen to us. I, I just think that, <laughs> that, you know, you gotta quit leading with negative. I, I mean, find the positive and move the damn thing forward. Guys, audio has never been stronger. I told you about how I started in the passion. I have more passion today about where we are than I had back then when we started all of this. I'm hearing from college graduates in droves that want to get in the audio business. I, that hadn't happened in 10, 15 years. This is such an amazing medium right now. And sports is controlling a lot. Of it. Listen, on that note, my man, this has been great. I, you and I could chat about the business for hours <laughs> upon hours, and we always do. So I appreciate you making some time. Hopefully, by the time we talk next, you'll have added another three or four titles. Oh. And uh, in the meantime, continued, uh, you know, good health and uh, fun with, with everyone involved. And same to you. All the love and respect to you and the entire team that you have put together. The heads are the same. I mean, the way you built that family there at BSM is unbelievable. God bless you. You know, great success coming your way as you continue to just double and triple. Uh, you know, my wife, Robin Bertolucci, now her and I talk about you because all of a sudden you're in the news end of this business. But uh, yeah, I mean, you have done yeoman's work to help this medium out. And for that, we all have to say thank you to you, too. Thank you for listening to the Jason Barrett podcast. Please take a moment to subscribe to this show on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon, YouTube, or wherever you consume podcasts. And to stay in touch with Jason, follow him on Twitter at Sports Radio PD or read his columns on BarrettSportsMedia.com.